it was driven by basically I want an out. You know, I, I want an out. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't want to be a slave to to my employer, and I didn't want to have to say, well, I really disagree with this vehemently, or I was poorly mistreated, but I really need to pay my rent, so I've got to just deal with it or take it. And I just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like the right way to live life. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right, we're back here with Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast, and I'm excited here to have you guys joined with Sean Clark, the co-founder of Go High Level. It's a full suite of white label software solutions and services guaranteed to add revenue to your bottom line. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's really good to have you here, man. It's really good to have you here. So are you a, a traveler or is uh, that painting back there just- Oh, no. Not, yeah, no, I, that is definitely, this is my office um, all the time, pretty much. And uh, yeah, not, I, I mean, I love to travel, but not, yeah, this is, this is home base for me. This is home base, super cool. So one thing that I like to do is really talk about roots, right? Where does this come from? How do we get there? And your story is, is fascinating to me um, for many levels, and I'll go through that. Um, but one of them is uh, you went to Oregon State University. Is that right? Yes, I did. So well, until I dropped out, but yes. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. So you, you tell me that. So a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, so I'm kind of old. So um, there's this thing called like the dot-com crash. And basically um, I was a, in the, a sophomore, I think, at finishing up my sophomore year. And I literally lost my hip cool internship um, at uh, a really awesome, it was a marketing agency actually. Um, and they literally cut their staff in half in a day. Um, and they, they, for some reason, got rid of the college intern. I don't know why, but anyways, um, so I had to find a new gig and turned out that, um, I ended up hooking up with another guy and we ended up starting a business and, um, that business actually got going really quickly. And, um, and it was, and it was basically this choice of, I think I was, I completed my junior year. So kind of, I kind of did it for at, at college and I would drive, like, I would, <laughs> it's so funny. I'd drive like an hour and a half every, like one way every weekend. And I would do like, Sundays with this guy at an office. And anyways, so we got to the point where it was just like, got to, it was like, uh, something's got to give. So I was, like, I was like, well, I can always go back to college. So I dropped out my junior year uh, as a computer science major and I went full force on the business. Oh, that's super cool. So kind of going on that, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm going for you finished high school. I'm going for that one, right? Yes, I did. I did finish high school. I, and, and I'm a big fan. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I really, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of education personally, if you know what you're going for. I was going for computer science. I'm a computer nerd. I totally um, was, uh, I was, I, I was, I loved what I was doing, but I, I've always, I loved business as well. And I felt like it was just this good opportunity to try to be entrepreneurial um, at that moment. And so I was like, ah, you know, let's pause and see what happens. And I can relate to that time back, um, you say dot com is like 99, 2000. And yeah, totally. The, the, the eyes I'm that were my on. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Keep going. The eyes that were on um, the internet at the time, even though you put yourself in a position where you said, you know what, I'm going to basically go after this, it really was an unknown. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I can remember, um, you know, starting this business and it was right as um, AdWords was coming online. Mm -hmm. And we had a very search friendly term and AdWords was like five cents a click. And it was like, ah, I don't know. And then, um, but, you know, very quickly, as we all are aware, I mean, that took off, right? And mm -hmm. so that was like, all right, well, you, we got to try this. And so, you know, it's just the kind of thing you got to, you got to experiment with. 
Well, um, when you go back even further, something I'm always interested in is that when you go back and you look at, you know, friendships in high school and things like that, were you a part of that type of group that kind of followed you through to kind of the, didn't finish the college, but basically like that group that kind of clicked and stayed, or did you no. find your own route? I was, uh, no, I was kind of a lone wolf. I was kind of an outsider. Um, again, I was kind of a computer geek. And so that kind of made me very socially unfriendly. <laughs> um, you know, I was like that nerdy kid who was hanging out in like the network closet and, you know, playing with computers. And so, um, so no, I was very much kind of on my own. I had a couple of friends I went with, but no big groups. You think that, um, kind of, you said that, you know, kind of, you know, low, but do you find that, um, that's quite common in this type of industry that, um, there is a lot of lone wolf mentality or do you think, I don't know about that. I mean, I I think it varies. Um, I certainly think over time it has um, it has changed and broadened, and and I think for the better actually, because I think the entrepreneurial journey is often sort of spoken about as like a singular like a singular journey, but in reality, I think it's an incredibly difficult journey, and to have other people who you can at least relate to along the way, I think is very powerful. So you know, um, I don't know that that's the best concept. It's certainly how I got here, but. Um, but actually today, a good, good example is, you know, if I look at my current endeavor, I would not be here without two amazing co-founders, um, you know, to lean on for not only just the, in the good times and the bad, um, and also for skills I just don't have. And so I, I honestly think it's better to do it as a team, if you can, than by yourself. Because I think when, it, when you're by yourself, it's a very lonely road. Now, when you, I mean, you mentioned co-founder and looking back yeah. on, back on your story, and I kind of went back and looked at some stuff and a lot of where you spent your time is in web development back in the time with applications, things with a company called Babcock. And yeah, that was my, yeah, it was the agency. I, I, uh, I lost my internship at. <laughs> well, that was the one who lost your internship. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of Babcock and Jenkins Direct. What was one of the applications, the type of application that you were working? Oh yeah, it was all web-based, which was really cool. So I mean, the big thing is this guy had had figured out that he was in the mailer business, and uh, which is really boring, right? But back then, it was basically you know you would send out tens of thousands of mailers like like on a new printer or something for a Hewlett Packard. And the problem back then was Hewlett Packard, you know, would send out to twenty thousand IT guys, and then it's like, yeah, but who do we have the five-person sales team call? And he figured out that if you put a five-digit alphanumeric code on the card and you tie it to a contest, like win a free iPad or win a whatever, you could have them go to a website, put in the alphanumeric code, and then you'd get registered for the contest. But then you, what would you know? You'd know the mailer got to somebody, hopefully that somebody was the person that it was addressed to, and they showed enough interest to register for the contest. So that's who you call. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, that actually worked out quite well. And all of a sudden he went from being, a, you know, like just a, some random mailer house dude to being like, the biggest tech companies in the world were his customers. So it was a big deal. And so at the time, I mean, you were sitting on something that you didn't know. And then when you left, you probably heard the story and you're like, damn. Well, no, I didn't, you know, and I was just a, I was just like, a, yeah, I was like a high school kid working there. And I just thought it was awesome because at the time, no, no one, no one worked, first of all, in industry at all in college and certainly not at a distance. So I actually worked remote from my dorm room and I never met anyone you know, after that, or that I went to college with that could say the same. So I was just pumped to be able to program from my dorm room. <laughs> and they, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, I've hired programmers and designers and things. And I think um, you might agree that personality traits are so interesting when it comes totally. to these things. And when you just said, like, I was in this dark room, 
um, we used to, we programmed a company and or in, at the time we programmed a software that, that was in the sunglass industry. And basically what we did is we said, you know, it was an available to ship and we wanted to ship faster and things like that. And we had a software engineer and I used to always tell him like, just leave them in the room. Don't, don't, don't. Right. Don't talk to him. Yeah, that's well, true. That's a very common, I think that's a very common personality concept for, for engineers for sure. Well, that's one thing that's quite interesting about you. Where was a, a shift? Um, you know, I go back, I, I do my best to kind of find some things and I look on Instagram and yeah. you don't have much on Instagram. Oh no. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be on social media were it not for the business I run. <laughs> and so I, I actually noticed you had five posts. <laughs> yeah. I think they might've, they might be random. I don't even know. I have no idea what it is to be honest. And you have 11, you have a, uh, 111 followers. <laughs> it's not much there. I, yeah, I have no idea. You're following 11 people. So I don't even gonna... know how I got an Instagram. I probably got on Instagram to test the API yeah. integration so I could write code for it. That's probably. Well, I'm going to squeeze you. You're going to have to go to your Instagram. You're going to follow me. Start I'll have to check it out. I have no idea what's even there. And I'm going to have to be one of your 12 followers. <laughs> oh, sweet. I don't even know how to log in. So this will be a good experience. <laughs> so in that, I think that that journey, and there's a, a lot of awesome places that I kind of noticed that you traveled in your journey. But where do you think the shift was? Um, you have a very charismatic personality. I mean, even in the moments that we chat, you're, you're, you're a fast talker. You enjoy that. Was that always part of your trait or did you kind of have to figure that out? No, I, I was always like that. Um, I mean, I, I always talk too much, um, talk too fast. I was always super over the top. It's always been part of who I was. Um, I just over time adapted it to a skill set that also included a love for business and um, in addition to, to software. So I've always been weird that way. I like kind of hedge between both worlds. And that's, again, that's not always that common. And, you know, when you find people that have the ability to communicate, really people go to school to be able to communicate. And that's probably one of the things that drove you further to be able to kind of, ex, you know, explain what you're actually doing and not just hoarding it back. What was, um, what was your, uh, you know, did you have role models when you were a kid that drove you towards business? Was it, you know, was there anything that in your youth life that was like, I want to kind of put my stamp on the world? And, you know, was there a point yeah. in your life? I mean, that might have been junior high, you know? Yeah, I think for me, it was less about like trying to put my stamp on the world. I think um, I am the son of a single mother. And um, she was she had a high skill set. She was a college graduate. She she was a mechanical engineer. Um, but I, I just noticed that she was very um, sort of stuck in um, having to go to work every day, having to you know deal with situations that were unpleasant. As a female in a very male dominated industry, she was very poorly treated often, mm. just due to her gender. And you know, quite honestly, had to put up with a lot of that. And I always looked at that and said, I just, that's not, I mean, obviously I knew I wouldn't be in for the same treatment, but I just sort of said, you know, that's not really what I want to do. And so what can I do to get out of that? And I found that, you know, entrepreneurship really gave me that window into personal freedom in a way that, that I felt like I couldn't get working for anybody. And so I, I just kind of naturally gravitated in that direction and tried to look for, you know, role models that I really liked and people that I could find that were, um, you know, that could kind of help me in that area. And, uh, and yeah, so I think, but I would say my mom and her experiences were probably my bigger inspiration yeah. for, for going this way. And it was driven by basically, I want an out, you know, I, I want an out. Yeah. I just, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't want to be a slave to, to my employer. 
employer and I didn't want to have to say, well, I really disagree with this vehemently or I was poorly mistreated, but I really need to pay my rent. So I've got to just deal with it or take it. And I just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like the right way to live life. Definitely was exciting. I, I totally remember that day. That's, that's really cool. Cause I think that that's like the, I think that's the catalyst for any entrepreneur, right? It's like all of a sudden you get this check and anybody that's ever received a dollar outside of somebody, you know, looking at a check and saying, this is where all my taxes come out of. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's a whole amount. <laughs> now I got to figure this out. I think it's like a huge shift in where people. Oh, come totally. Out. Yeah. It's, it's pretty exhilarating for sure. Now, what about now, this is kind of the change because I know that from what you're saying is that uh, you were definitely a part of the AOL age. Um, and I, I think there's still people out there that still pay $29.95 <laughs> sure. a month for AOL. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, looking back, do you remember that internet dollar or let's just even say internet uh, transaction that kind of said, you know, this is, this is different because it's, I mean, I didn't, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I, I, you know, if I'm being honest, I would say like, yeah, I mean, it really, it was the business I dropped out of college to start where we, you know, where I really started to see that. I mean, in that business, we would generate all the leads online, but they wouldn't transact online. So we, we still had a situation where you would sort of like register and a set, we'd have a sales team call you and that kind of thing. And then I didn't truly do a, like a frictionless sort of self-serve SaaS until um, my last company, which was uh, uh, an accounting software company. And that that was really cool. So that was truly my, my probably like, gosh, I don't know how long it was, six, seven years ago now. Yeah. But that was really my first like online dollar where I was like, wow, someone will come to a website I made and put in a credit card and, you know, hand me money. Like that was that was really cool. Because you did companies like Answer Connect and Solo yep. Struck, those are the companies that you were before. Yeah. So oh yeah. So yeah. So and, oh well, I guess Soul Struck was was all on online women's shoes. That's for sure. That was actually part of the Answer Connect brands of of companies. We started a, a online women's shoe store, which makes no sense um, even to this day. But it was fun. I got to have it was an interesting experience. But yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I sort of thought about, but I, I you know that was definitely with a partner, and I really didn't feel like that was my own. Um, I was eighteen when I got into that business, so I had a really fantastic sort of experience, but, and I owned a very small piece of that enterprise, but I really, Invoice Sherpa was really like the first time I sort of stood on my own two feet um, and really had to had to do it all the way through myself. And that was, I think I, I think of that as the, the time when I truly earned my first true dollar by myself. You know, when you, when you have a partner and you start with someone and you start young, you also, I think oftentimes think, at least for me, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, you know, can I really do this? Is this really something that, can I really take all the credit? Can I take credit for this stuff? And, you know, was it, is it just that I was in the right place at the right time? This, this other person's carrying all the weight. So when you're on your own, you know, there's nobody to save you, but there's also nobody to get in your way and say like, oh no, you know, you half contributed to that or whatever, right? That was truly the time when I was like, yeah, that's me. And that was obviously, I mean, during the e-commerce time, and I spent a lot of time during that time too. And there was just, there was a lot of transactions that you really didn't see anybody. You sent it and you're like, I hope this thing doesn't come back. And, you know, remembering the days, totally. it's like, yeah. all you really needed to do was- well, lucky, for me, I, lucky for me, it was software. So I didn't have to ship anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the software. Yeah. We, we would basically send the- we oh, would yeah. send, I was in the sunglass business and in the fashion business, the motorcycle business. And I remember the Christmas time, we would basically say, look, as long as we can get them a tracking number, then for Christmas, they can hand that to their kid. And they'd be like, hey, these shoes are on their way. <laughs> it's just as valuable. Totally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. That was yeah, that was really a a crazy time for sure. The com, yeah, I remember all of that, and uh, yeah, that that 
It's true. You had a lot of phone customer service, email customer service, but yeah, you never saw the customer. So then you kind of moved through and you were also doing some stuff. Um, there was a, I just got some stuff here that you were at Columbia Holdings and there was some other businesses that you were doing that I had. Oh, that's, yeah, that's all the, so yeah, so all, so the answering service. So I dropped out of college to start an answering service and that when we wrote all the software for it and everything else, got very it. techie, technology enabled, all of those companies were like, uh, we, we own like four or five different brands. We also, we got bored and started an online women's shoe store. So it was like lots of stuff in there. And that was all with the same business partner for like 12 Got years. It. And then I finally left that organization um, in, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever my bio says, but to start Invoice Sherpa. Um, and that's truly when I, I kind of did my own thing and, and kind of went out on my own. Yeah, and I think that it was it was actually kind of fun looking for these things. So I don't nail it every single time, but I will say it is, it is interesting because as a software engineer and someone that's dive into those things, you don't have as much social presence because you were, you're building the machine. You know, totally. so your desire is to build that machine. And so kind of going back, you know, my dive is like, okay, I got to pull these pieces together. So I was like, clone of these things. So it, it was, it was fun to kind of dive into what your story is. And then also to learn that. Um, but you did make a transition. And at that point, um, a little bit of interested to hear about where you were mentally at that time where you said, okay, now I've got to go and find, I, I'm assuming that's kind of where you are today. And it was like, I got to make this huge shift and there's a, there's a need in the market, but I think I've heard some of your story. Maybe you can share it a little bit here sure. is that it didn't, it, it isn't what it is today. It was something different. And oh yeah, you're talking about high level. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that one was, you know, I've always been passionate about helping small businesses and I had a thousand small business customers on my previous SaaS app and they had all indicated to me that their biggest need in life was more customers. And I thought, well, this will be easy. I can write some software to do that. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, what's interesting, you know, we, we, we write the, we wrote the software, the initial version, and um, we, you know, we started demoing it and we got a lot of really positive response. And then we started selling it. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, we would like get this call like two weeks later and they'd be like, ah, yeah, you know, I actually would like to cancel. Um, and I am the, I mean, this actually is probably the worst part of my personality. I take that stuff very personally. Um, and so I, you know, exactly. So I get on the phone with them. And I'm like, I, you know, look, I, I don't get it. You told me this is amazing. What, you know, what's, what's the deal, you know, and, and they were super nice about it. And they were like, yeah, but it is great. And it's everything you said it was going to be, except we just realized we don't have the time to implement this in our business. We don't have the time to do this stuff. And I would even, and, and of course I'm not one to, um, you know, not to just sort of sit there and listen. And I said, well, yeah, but you know, if you don't do this stuff, you know, you're going to fail, right? You know, your competitors are going to do it and they're going to mow you down. So, and they're like, well, yeah, but we just are out of time. Right. And it was a really tough moment because they would admit that the software was great. They would admit that it would solve the problem that they wanted to solve. And yet they weren't willing to solve it. And they would even admit that I was right. Like this technology is going to be something they have to adopt. They just don't have time to do it. And it was so frustrating because I was like, I, I did all this work. I got you what you asked for. And now you're rejecting me. And I felt so down about it. And so, you know, it was a really big crisis moment for us. Um, but, you know, we got really lucky um, because we got a call from a marketing agency who said, hey, I heard about this great software. I'd love to see it. You know, and we showed it to them and they totally got it. And then they bought it for all their customers and they opened my eyes to something I just never realized or really fully comprehended, which was, 
hey, you know what? Actually, that is the point. The small business owner doesn't have the time. And while that in that moment felt like a problem, it actually turned out to be an opportunity, which is, you know what? If you find the people who do fill that gap already and you serve that audience instead of serving the audience you originally intended, you might find something special, which is exactly what we did. We found a whole world of people that were completely unserved by the market and honestly didn't get the credit that they deserved for all the things that they were doing. And so that really led us off in a whole nother direction that we honestly wouldn't have run into had we not really taken the opportunity to jump on a call with somebody who I can distinctly remember at the time thinking, why am I getting on the call with this guy? He's not even my customer. Like, what a waste of my time. So, you know, always be open to opportunities because you never know what you're going to get. So you went back and you basically were like, hey, you know what? Maybe I actually have something here after the guy ended up getting on the call with you and then sharing, hey, yeah. I have them. Yeah. I mean, he, he just looked at it and he got it and he bought it and he and he wasn't and he wasn't gone two weeks later. In fact, he would just every day we'd say, hey, can you guys do this? Can you do that? And we just felt like, and you know, and it was really just a, you know, what all honesty, it was just like, well, we don't really have any better ideas. Let's, you know, let's just keep hanging out with this guy. <laughs> and we got really lucky because then he introduced us to more, more of his friends who were also agencies and basically helped grow our business and, and put us on the map. And of course, eventually we made him a co-founder. So um, don't worry, he, he didn't disappear. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was just simply realizing that sometimes you don't, you, you often don't get it right up front. And you got to be open to really flexing and, and sort of digging in and doing different things. And sometimes in the face of failure, oftentimes you can find a different path. What was that like? Um, was there a transition of, of ego there for you that was just like, oh man, what I wanted this to be, it's not going to be. And then maybe falling off track a little bit or stepping. Yeah. I mean, like, Wait, I, I got to make oh, it. Oh, I, mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I can distinctly remember thinking, oh, that's it. It's over. <laughs> like th this is going to bomb. Um, and, you know, I had, we had tried five or six other things, you know, and it was, what was really, I think the biggest slap in the face and wake up call was, I was like, wait, I just done this. Like I just created a SaaS company. It was acquired. Um, you know, I had a thousand small business customers. These are the same exact type of customers that I want. What the heck, what is going on? And I realized that I had made a fatal miscalculation, which was in my prior business all of the customers had been handed to me because I was an app in the QuickBooks market and QuickBooks was basically giving me the exposure I needed to create the distribution. And, you know, 2020 hindsight, oh, well, that's so obvious. But at the time I was like, oh, well, we'll just do the same thing I had done before. But it turns out that that actually was, was a horrible, colossal failure. And so it just shows you that even if you think you know what you're doing because you feel like you've done it before, sometimes things change. And I think you bring up a really good point. And I think this is something that maybe you'd have a good answer now that you've gone through it. But if business owners in, in general, what have you found is, and you do a really good job about the, uh, the latter, but do you think client acquisition or um, customer retention holds more value? Well, I mean, I, I, jet, I absolutely believe long, I mean, I think that, so I think retention is difficult or sorry, retention, sorry. Acquisition is difficult. Retention, it can be difficult. But I think that acquisition is difficult, but most importantly, it, it never gets easier. Or if it does, it's marginally easier. So it's a type of problem that I think has the potential to be 10 or 20% um, better for most people. It's not that there aren't you know things that you get knocked out of the park and all that, but I think it's way harder to do, uh, to move the needle on that than most people realize. 
And, and whereas the retention piece, I think is significantly um, easier to solve. I mean, it's a solvable problem. I, I sort of think of as acquisition as a workable problem, but I think of, of retention as being a solvable problem. And I think that there's there's two benefits, right? So one is predictability in your model and scalability in your model, but retention can also actually lead to acquisition because the other thing you realize is that oftentimes the customer you have, well, they know other people just like them. And you know, if you make if you if you create the right situation, you can oftentimes utilize. And you know, a lot of businesses will say, "Well, what's your biggest you know uh, source of customers?" And they'll say, "Word of mouth." Well, what do you think that is? That's existing customers telling other people in their field, "Hey, come use this." product or service, right? And and it's not just a small time deal. Like if, you know, I, I saw um, HubSpot, I just saw their uh, <clears throat> latest uh, investor relations presentation and they list their number one source of new customers, word of mouth, right? So mm -hmm. here's this multi-billion dollar publicly traded company who says our number one source of leads and, and customers is word of mouth. So retention, I think can lead to acquisition, but I think acquisition on its face is never an easy path and it generally is costly. So if I was going to focus on one, I'd focus on retention before I'd focus on acquisition. Now, because of that statement that you make, is, is that um, one of these things that you find yourself saying, I, in, as a co-founder, I'm going to actually find people to do the acquisition side because um, I, I think that just having these conversations with you, you're naturally good at the retention. Um, well, I don't know if I'm good at it, but I, it's certainly something I work on. And I could, it, but I would say that one thing I would say on the acquisition side is, I mean, and this might just be something that I see from my perspective as a SaaS entrepreneur, but, you know, a lot of software acquisition is about like running ads and, uh, you know, having SDRs and BDRs and outbound this and all this other stuff. It's very like, it, it feels very like self-focused. And I feel like it's better to find models that are about enabling other people because I feel like if you can create a model where you're helping someone win, they can by ultimately somehow helping you. Like if there can be that that the sort of that give and take, I think you have a much better shot at creating a lot larger market for yourself and a lot faster growth for yourself. And I think of that as you know, think about you know somebody out in the world who has your customers and a lot of them, and figure out how like you could help that person, right? And sometimes it's super easy. Maybe it's just you cut that person a check or maybe not. Maybe you enable that person to do something that they never thought of doing. Who knows? But if you focus on that idea, ultimately, I think it's way bigger. It's a way bigger, bigger multiplier effect than just saying, you know what? I'm going to skip that person who has owns my customers and I'm going to try to figure out how to get to all of those people that they've already gotten to. That's a lot harder hill to climb. And I think there's probably in your mental process of questioning and questioning and questioning. I mean, I can only imagine at this point and stage of your business, how many requirements you get, because that's kind of, you know, what you're saying, you're basically saying, Hey, how can I actually, how can I make this software serve you better? Instead of saying, this is the software we have. This is the only tractor that's going to be able to move anything. Right. <laughs> We're not going to add another little arm or anything like that. And so basically you're saying having an opening and an open mind to be able to say, Hey, pull this thing through. And I think that that's like, one of the things um, that even you're going through now is just like, hey, let's put this on a let's put this on a list. And is that what you've done? Is that how you do it? And then how do you address people that are not happy that it's not being done fast enough? Or what, you know, because there's a whole entire yeah, pressure sure. cooker that's there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so first, yes, I think the, the the number one difference, at least I think the way we go about things is we don't sort of think that we already have all the answers. We really feel as though we're serving a group of customers and we feel like those customers know what they need way more than we do. And so our goal first and foremost is to go to them and just say, hey, look, we have a particular skill set that we think is useful to you, but how can we best apply it to solve the problems you're trying to solve, right? So that we really sort of think of ourselves as taking orders, not giving orders. And so that's I think the most important thing, right? And then from there, it is really about prioritization. Um, and it is also about handling, you know, the loudest voices in the room. And, you know, it's a messy, difficult, imprecise, you know, journey. But I, I think that, you know, yeah, we'll have we have people every single day who will say, I can't believe that you don't do this or this doesn't do it like that, or you know, whatever, right? But you know, I'm unfortunately or fortunately, I mean, it's just that goes with the territory and you have to decide, you know, um, is this person just being loud and obnoxious? Because sometimes people are just obnoxious. In fact, sometimes people are absolutely utterly wrong and they just think that that they are right. And ultimately, you have to really be cautious of that because sometimes you'll go in, in that person's direction only to find out actually that the crowd or even the consensus view is quite different. So you got to figure all that out. And it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of sharing. It's a lot of building in the open too. It's a lot of like saying, hey, everybody, this is what we're thinking. Or, hey, everybody, this is the MVP we came out with. What do you think we got right? What do you think we need to change? Um, and it's just being open to that feedback, right? And filtering and all of that. Um, and then just realizing like, gosh, you know, you can only do what you can do on that day and you can only go as fast as you can. And you hope that that's good enough for people to hang around with. And, you know, honestly, for sometimes it's not. And it's super hard when someone says like, you suck. You don't have this thing. I can't believe you don't do this. I'm leaving. It's hard, right? But I think the long the thing is, you know. But you also have people that come in and say, "You've changed my world. You've, you, I, I was able to leave my job. I was able to double my revenue. I was able to buy the house I've always dreamed of." Like you see those people, and you try to realize, like you know what? Like you, no matter what you're, anytime you go out to the world and you try to do something different, like you're gonna get hate. Like it's just how it is. And you know anything and everyone who's ever achieved anything, I guarantee it. Look at what they achieve, and look at before they achieved it, and you just see massive numbers of people who say like, "You're never gonna make it. It's a terrible idea. You suck." And you can see this in any industry. You know, I like Mark Benioff talks about how when he started Salesforce, no one would give him any money. Like no VCs would ever give him a dime. And this guy wasn't just like Mark Benioff, the nobody. He was the second in command from Oracle, right? He yeah. quit. To, and he had he knew everybody he was well connected i mean if anyone could get a dime he should have gotten some vcs charity right but yeah. no no one people thought he was a total idiot and that he destroyed his life and set himself on a horrible course in the future and yet i think and now that seems like the most ridiculous notion um and, and because it is but i think that's the whole point i think that it's realizing that as through your journey you're always going to be targeted and you've got to be ready for it no matter how you go about it because you're going to find people who tell you you're wrong or that you're stupid or you're going to fail. So you've got to be ready for that. But, you know, for us, we're lucky. We have some really good customers and I think we've made a really big impact and we focus foremost every single day on getting up and saying like, how can I help you do better? How can I help you achieve more? And I think a lot of people see that and, and it changes how they think about us. I think that's really cool. And I think that 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 loop that you just shared is like super big. When was that moment? Do you think that actually you were able to make that turn? Because that once you started getting the, the, 
you know, this thing that you talked about earlier, you were saying, look, I just did, I took it so personal. Do you remember when you were able to mentally just go, it's not personal? Oh, no, I, 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 have, I haven't done it. I mean, to this day, it's, it's a daily struggle. It's I think that's is. the most important thing to realize, at least for me. Um, you know, yeah. I have, I'd say I have ADHD and it's, it's, it's sort of a common known part of, of the condition that you tend to, yeah, you tend to take things really personally. Um, and so I, I think the most important thing to, to relate to people is that just, I mean, I think we're very successful. I, I think we've been incredibly successful in a very short period of time. And yet I would still say every day is just uber hard. You have your highs and you have your lows and it never gets easier. It never is, is, is easy street. It, it just doesn't equate to that. And I think to, to try to pretend it anything otherwise is just, is foolish. Um, you know, and, but I, and so I think that, but I think that is, I think the way I think about it is this is the journey. Like, you know, it's, if you think about life, you know, you can sort of take the easy path or you can take the hard path. And if you obviously think about that, you know, most of the time, the easy path is easy for a reason. It's easy because it doesn't change the world. It isn't unique. You aren't going to, you aren't going to be pushing the envelope. You're not, and forget being remembered or any of that. I don't have an ego like that, but if you just want to do something that is impactful, right? Mm -hmm. Even if no one 10 years from now, hundred years from now, no one remembers any of it. If you in your moment, if it's important to you to be impactful, you're not going to be able to take the easy road because the easy road is never impactful. It's always the hard road that, that, that creates the impact. And it's just that that's the journey you're choosing. So as long as you remember that doesn't mean you're going to love it. It doesn't yeah. mean it's going to feel good, but it's still, but it still doesn't, but it doesn't mean that the outcome sure. isn't worth it. And the impact isn't worth it um, at, you know, at the end of the day. Well, I like to do, a, um, I haven't named it yet, but kind of like it's not a lightning round because that's not right. But I like to go out there and um, <laughs> I like to go out there and look for news in, in software and sure. or news in something that would pertain to you sure. as a guest here. Cool. Here. I like so, that. That's that's fun. I, I thought that I, I pulled something up here and it was from a kind of called Snow Labs or whatever. But one of the trends in 2021, it said voice in search marketing. A recent uh, survey reported the approximate number of smart speaker owners as 66.4 million. And uh, in the US, 133 million around the world, voice search is now one of the top methods for search available. It's no wonder businesses have begun scrambling to optimize their websites and content for search for speech search. In that, they say there's a great deal of focus on long tail. Well, when I go through this article, it really reminds me of just the days of when we would do Google Analytics and we would do Google AdWords at the time. Um, but you would have short-term, long, you know, long-term keywords. What's yeah, your right. thoughts on voice over the next few years? Yeah, you know, I'll probably put my foot in my mouth on this one, but. I mean, I'm a smart speaker owner, and I I, I think that, that these devices to date feel very consumptive in nature. So I think they're fantastic for, hey, what's the weather today? Or, hey, can you play this song or whatever? But I think that as, as you go deeper, the problem you run into is that there's no one answer, right? So like, I need to schedule an appointment with a new dentist, right? Mm -hmm. um, that might be something that's totally interpretable by by the technology, but then as a human being, it's the, it's the input I need to then receive back in order to create the, the final choice. And, and, and realistically, I need to see the field to understand. And it could be a small field. It could be three choices or something, right? But I think voice search has a very hard time meeting that outcome. I almost think that smart like voice search needs to be paired with something else like a screen um, or something 
um, in order to actually totally complete its mission. So honestly, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious to really know on the voice search trends, what, how many purchases are made over voice search or how many appointments are booked over yeah, voice search, really right? Because if those outcomes aren't there, it doesn't mean the voice search isn't great. It's probably just really great if you are streaming a song or you're providing some kind of like really known, well-known thing. But even there, I always think to myself, well, wait, who owns all these smart speakers? And you know, and 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 to what extent can they not fulfill all those those needs? You know, the Googles and the and the you know the Amazons of the world. I mean, I almost think if you said like, hey Alexa, buy me some batteries, right? Like it's not gonna buy Duracell, it's gonna buy Amazon generic batteries. Yeah, and so true. like to what extent is that exciting from a marketing perspective? Honestly, and and we serve a lot of local SMBs, right? Um, in our platform. If I was a local SMB, I, I wouldn't give a darn about voice search at all. I would be way more focused on. Google my business because that's personally where I think Google will drive the majority of the traffic and the business interest for your service in the coming years. So I would just say voice search is a, a, a non-issue for the local SMB. Well, Sean, I, I appreciate your time. This has been a blast for me and I hope that you enjoyed yourself as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know they're probably not going to follow you on Instagram, but I know that- uh, Yeah, exactly. Agencies and things like that, but where would you- Please don't. <laughs> I'm going to hold don't you, but I'm going to be number 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't waste your time. So with that, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on here and yeah. sharing some awesome knowledge. So where, where would people find you? Yeah, I mean, I guess in the, you know, at, at gohighlevel.com or, you know, check me out. I mean, I'm on Facebook because that's where our audience is. So you can definitely hit me up on Facebook anytime. Happy to happy to talk. Um, and, you know, in the high level Facebook group, of course, as well. Well, thank you very much for being a guest on the Moved yeah, podcast. And we'll go ahead and close it out. Thanks a lot. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.